in a, a tattoo parlor or shop um, and talking to um, um, Becky, who comes to our church. She's a tattoo artist, has two shops. Her artistry is God-given. It is ridiculous. Um, anyway, so I was in there um, having a chat about something and, um, and she said, could you pray for one of our artists? And I'm like, yeah. And this guy came over and he shared a story about his aunt that has a brain aneurysm. Um, and right in the middle of the tattoo shop, we're just praying. And I'm just declaring, because we carry his presence, yeah? We carry his glory. John 17, 22, the glory that we had, I've given them. So we're, we've got glory to give away. We've got glory to give away. We've got presence to give away. We've got peace to give away. We've got joy to give away. Remember Jesus said, when you go into the city, if, if the town's not worthy, then release peace. But if they're not receiving it, take it back. So it's this immaterial transferring of the substance, the spiritual stuff that we give away. So I've learned to be fully aware of that and fully confident in that, even though times um, are scary and often I don't do it. Like the other day, I was prompted to pray for someone and I didn't because of fear. So it's not always I'm on 100%, but we're growing. So, but I was confident in this moment and we prayed together and I just declared peace over the family and just really... Um, in that moment, I'm learning to feel empathy, not just praying a good Christian prayer as a church leader, but actually positioning myself for empathy. Because Jesus had great, he had great success anytime, but when the Bible used the word, um, he was moved by compassion, some really big things happened. So I want to grow in that. So I'm, I'm in the moment just feeling empathy for the lady and for him and the family, but praying. And then I finished the prayer and and that was, that was great, and he was thankful. And it was just a cool experience because we're, we're meant to go into places that the church isn't in, yeah? Or that people are afraid to go in, or they've got um, stigmas or weird stuff that they put up against things or places or, or tattoos or a whole lot of ripped jeans or all this whole lot of stuff. Religion tries to get in and, and say it's us versus them, and there's a distance. And, and Jesus actually went out, and he was, he was so um, familiar and attracted to and befriending of people that didn't think like him that he was accused of being one of them. So how much do you have to hang out with someone to actually be accused of being one of them? I would propose a lot. You know, he got so mad, but if you read the New Testament, the madness and the righteous anger was actually built up against the religious people who were meant to honour and bring him in and welcome him in the coming of the kingdom. But it actually, they didn't understand it. They didn't see it. They rejected it. They killed him. And, and that was a big issue. But his love and his um, empathy and kindness for those that didn't know him, he called them sheep without a shepherd, was so ridiculous that he hung out with them and he was accused of being a drunk and a glutton. It's full on. So I love being in these environments. And then I said to him, I said, hey, have you got a sore back? And he said, no. And I'm like, cool. Word knowledge wrong because <laughs> we're on a journey. And I said, have you got any other pain? Let's just go general. Because <laughs> the, the back, the word knowledge highlights that God sees him specifically. It's like a big deal. That's why it's a gift because people feel seen and known by God. 
But that doesn't mean that you can't get healed. If we call out words of knowledge at the end of the service and four ailments get called out, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to heal another ailment outside of the four, does it? But it just means that God's highlighting things because he knows what they need. Like he knows what people need. Yeah? So we step into honour and we go, wow, God's doing something. So I, I said, and he said, I've got a sore shoulder. And I'm like, you're a tattoo artist, dude. <laughs> like, you've got a sore shoulder. I said, is that normal or is that, part of, is that part of the whole tattooing eight hours a day deal or is that different? And they both said, no, that's no, different. There's, a, there's an issue going on. And I said, all right, let's pray. So we got, we got together. Um, well, we're already together, actually. And, um, and I just put my hand on his shoulder and I just declared, I didn't pray, like God heal him. But I just declared the pain to leave. And for mobility to come, I spoke to sinews, muscles, joints and ligaments. And for all that which God designed perfectly to come into the alignment with the standard of heaven. Boom, boom, boom. Anyway, so he's testing it. And he's like, oh, I'm not sure. It feels a little bit lighter. And I'm like, lighter's awesome. And I joked with him. I said, it's either the same, worse or better. <laughs> and he's like, ha, ah. And I'm like, it's okay. Just be honest with me. Anyway, he went off and I continued our amazing conversation with Becky um, and he's in the background at his tattoo station going like this. And I'm like talking to Becky, trying to value her, and I'm seeing this guy doing this one. And I'm like, yeah, this is good. Um, and I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? Because when God starts moving, you just get a little bit more confident. Um, and, and then he's like a bit perplexed. I'm going to get a message out. Um, and, I, uh, and I said, what's going on? He goes, stop clicking. And I'm like, well, that's good. I said, is that good? And he goes, yeah. And he spun out. Anyway, so I messaged, um, I messaged Becky. And this is, this is the message that I got. Um, Chell, his name's Chell. Chell said, it is, uh, Chell is so, it says, is so weird and that he doesn't want to just say it just because you said, um, make sure you be truthful. Yeah. So he doesn't want to be weird um, by saying this. But he said, but his shoulder is absolutely sweet. How good is that? Come on. And uh, in his own words also, that's what he said. Um, His auntie who had a brain aneurysm was seemingly getting better but then had a relapse putting her in the ICU. After we prayed, she has now come out of the ICU and is on the mend. So that's just awesome. Is that great? So that's just amazing. And that's just like, that was like, out of my day, that was two minutes of prayer. Not even. Less than a minute of prayer. Maybe five minutes of full conversation. So as a, as a church, let's pause that for a moment. As a church, we're on a journey from July to December on the area of health, which is one of our how. Presence, health and influence. It's one of our how. If our how happens, then our why happens. Yeah? If our how happens, then our why happens. Our why is heaven to earth, meaning everything that's in heaven, culture of heaven, standard of heaven, the fullest of the kingdom, the fullest of his will. We want to see that manifest everywhere we go in all areas of society. That's the why of our church. That's why we exist. But a why can't stay a why. The why needs a how. So we've got a full exhaustive list of how practically, measurably and tangibly Heaven comes to earth, and it's through presence, health, and influence. It's by our up, our in, and our out. Is that okay? So it's by presence, health, and influence. It's by our up, 
in and out. And part of that up, in and out is the in, which is our inner world, which is our health, which is the inner world part of us. And we're going on a journey to go after health. And there's a really large exhaustive list on a table up the back, which has our vision and communication model on it. It, 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 it writes out about 30 different things 30 different things that are in the list of health. So it talks about relationship. It talks about, it talks about, um, it talks about relationships. It talks about um, how we communicate with each other. It talks about what's going on on the inside of us. It talks about managing our soul, emotional health. It talks about the, the way that we process. It's going to be great um, to, yeah, that's amazing. So this whole deal with health is such a massive deal. And often we only look at presence and we only look at influence, but we forget this inner world. And we've been speaking about the the importance of our soul because we're not just body and spirit, but we've got this thing inside of us that's soul, which is our memory, which is our emotions, which is our um, intellect. And and it's this part of us that actually is the guide so often. So often where we understand about the physical body and our soul because it's our emotions. It's how we process. It's our thinking. It's how we respond to things. It's this core part of us that, that is the machine underlying everything we are. We're definitely a physical body, but there's this soul inside of us. And if we're not aware of it, if we kick it off to the side and just talk about the spirit, we're actually going to miss what we're called to. Is that okay? So we've been talking about that a lot. And it's not common for us to talk about that in church a lot about the soul because often the soul's been this weird thing that we don't know what to do with and it can some 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 can be can say it's like evil some say it's no good and I really believe that God redeemed all parts of us on the cross I really believe that darkness and light cannot coexist so I believe we're fully redeemed I believe that our our Spirit is perfect and in perfect relationship and union with the Father, fellowship, spirit to spirit. I believe that the soul is still being transformed. So I believe in the finished work of the cross, but I also believe in the renewed mind. The soul makes a terrible teacher, but a brilliant student. The soul is the boss because it's perfect. So that's why it says like the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's not saying the flesh is evil. It's saying the flesh is still being outworked and redeemed, which is the process of repentance and transformation, yeah? So this is such a big deal for us. So we've been talking about wholeness. We've been talking about um, health and wholeness. And the word for salvation is that Greek word sozo, and it means wholeness. We see it in the story of the lepers, Ten lepers got healed and one came back. The Bible says that the ten were healed. The Greek word is physician. They were healed. But one came back. One came back and said, hey, thank you. And Jesus said, wow, this is amazing. Your faith has made you whole. And that Greek word for whole is sozo. So nine got physically healed and one got sozoed because Jesus really cares about it. We see it with other areas of blindness in the Bible that your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you sozo, saved, whole, delivered. Massive deal. But I just want to challenge us that if we're going to go after this idea of wholeness and fullness, that fullness is not just an inward thing, 
but it's a gospel thing. If we go after fullness in only our soul, but forget fullness and wholeness in our body and fullness and wholeness in our influence, then we're going to miss the mark of what this whole idea is about. If we only look at wholeness as an inward thing, I've just got to be whole, we're going to actually miss the mark because he wants our physical body whole. Divine health is possible. If he can lead three million people through the wilderness in the Old Testament and not even their sandals have an issue with an inferior covenant, then what about us? I thank you that it's belief. It's believing him that makes it all possible. So I want to read a scripture. I want to read a couple of scriptures. We're going to wrap up in five or six minutes. But I just want to acknowledge this morning about that we're called to go into these places and release what we carry, release who we are. So all in the school this year, we've been learning about who we are and what we carry. In church, we've been learning about who we are and what we carry. And in the school, that's going to ramp up. So we fully understand who we are and what we carry, where we fit in church and where we fit in life. And it's going to be so exciting. But this idea of fullness is not just an inward thing. Fullness and wholeness is all about presence, health and influence, our up, in and out. What is made available? Let's go to Ephesians 3.19. So good. I, I, I read this out before. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So make no mistake, this is the Lord's plan for your life. This is the Lord's plan for your life. Nothing less. This is the plan that you would know the love, that you would experience God's love, which surpasses knowledge. That's why it has to be experienced because it surpasses knowledge. It's more than understanding, although we must read the scripture, which gives us context to what's possible when it comes to experience and encounter. Does that make sense? Because encounter and experience mixed with the word of truth transforms us. Amen? And to be feel that you... Not we, we's true, but you true more. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So he's talking about fullness, he's talking about wholeness. This is the plan for your life. And it's not just the inner world wholeness. If we only worry about our inner world, we're going to be, I was going to say disbalanced. You know what I mean? Unbalanced, wow, yeah. Okay, thank you, Lee, for for that. That's brilliant. Um, That wasn't condescending. God's plan for each of us. All right, ready? Colossians 1.19, continuing the plan of heaven for our life. I love this. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. And we know that Jesus didn't come as only God, but God and fully man, laying down His deity, His divinity. He restricted Himself to a man to represent what we could live like. He dealt with sin on the cross and poured out his presence. They're the only limitations. When we receive the cross and rely on his presence, we can live like Jesus. 1 John 4, 18, is it? 17 or 19? As we are, as he is, as he is, so are we in this world. So in that tattoo shop, I am, I'm not Jesus, never will be Jesus. Not God, will never be God, but I'm co-heirs with him and I share in everything that the father gave the son, like the prodigal son. 
everything's mine. You didn't have to do that. Everything's yours forever. So in that moment, I get to go, wow, okay, kingdom, why, heaven to earth, full gospel, it's presence, health and influence, and I've got full authority and power because Jesus gathered me in and he sent me out. Matthew 10, he gathered them in and he sent them out. So in that moment, I know that fullness is who I am. So it's out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Proverbs. Come on now. For it was the Father's good pleasure. It wasn't begrudgingly. It wasn't, oh, you're twisting my arm. We've got to remember that the word grace is charis and it means kindness and favour. And often we've forgotten that when we talk about unmerited, undeserved. And that's all we think about, unmerited, undeserved. And that he's just begrudgingly pouring out his love. But Romans 5.8 says that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. His love for us is extravagant. Do we still need to confess and believe? Yeah. Was sin a really big deal? Yeah. It brings tragedy and trauma. God hates anything that gets in the way of love between him and us. So it's not a, a you thing. It's an issue that was separating you and him that he dealt with. Fullness is the standard. Our provision. So we looked at what has been made available in Ephesians 3.19. We looked at what God's plan is for each one of us in Colossians 1.19. And then our provision is Psalm 23.1, which is on a magnet on your fridge. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in lack. Fullness is the standard, lack isn't. The gospel is fullness, it's not lack. Let's move on to one more part, our identity. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12, this is our second last scripture for today. 1 Corinthians 13 12, it's at the end of the love chapter, which is really important. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then, meaning when we experience the fullness of who Jesus and God is and the fullness of heaven and the kingdom, when, when we shall see face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So to know this love that surpasses knowledge that will be filled to all the measure of all the fullness of God, that's the plan. The Father was pleased to allow his fullness to dwell in Christ, meaning he's pleased to allow his fullness to dwell in you. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. So there's no lack because he's in charge. And then we find here that his heart for us, irrelevant of whether we know it or not, we are fully known by him. We're not partially known by him. Read Psalm 139 in a couple of different translations. And just go, go through it about how he sees you. You are fully known. But there's another step higher. That's a really weighty truth that you are fully known by God. And I'm sure he'd be happy me saying this. But there's another one step higher. And that's you knowing that he fully knows you. It's another step up. And that would be the fullness of the gospel and his heart. That not only he, because he's fully aware that he fully knows you. The power and the transformation happens when you can come to a point where you can fully embrace, fully believe, and then fully apply that you are fully known by Him. Good, bad, ugly, irrelevant. 
because he doesn't mix what you do with who you are when pouring out his love. So all that positions us to actually stand in that tattoo parlour and release presence and release grace and his presence is so vast and big and I don't understand it, but it, 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 it's, it's released from a tattoo shop in Oakley and it, it lands in a lady's head in New Zealand. And I don't understand that, but it's full on. We're going to finish with one final scripture. So in the context of health and wholeness, we've got to understand that there is a partial gospel. And there is also a full gospel. Paul made it really clear in Galatians. He warned them and he said, hey, if you or angels preach another gospel, let him be eternally condemned. (laughs) Full on. Some of the strongest language in the whole New Testament are in that verse. And it's talking about that there is actually a partial gospel and there is actually a full gospel. And Paul summed up Romans and he explained it a little bit. So let's go to Romans 15, 18 to 19. We're going to finish this and close and then Lee's going to jump up and we're going to celebrate some dads. Is that okay? All right, cool. Let's do this. Yet I do not boast, if you want to know what 16, 17 say, because yet means there was something else in there, you can read that on your own. Yet, and it doesn't wreck, what I'm saying today, and I didn't hide it. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. I love that, integrity. I'm not going to preach about anything else but what he's done in me. Bringing the Gentiles to God by message and by the way I worked among them. Verse 19, they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ. Full, fully, fullness. The word means complete. means there's nothing missing. We're going to continue on with this because it just can't be unpacked fully today. But I want to put a line in the sand that there is a partial gospel and there is a full gospel. Can we jump to just after Matthew 10, 7 to 10, to the, where it says the partial gospel? You got that? Is the disciples and apostles? Did, yeah, you got it? All right, let's jump to that. Okay, we're just going to finish with this, guys, because it'll just tie it up and make it easy for us. All right, the partial gospel is the disciples and apostles did miracles, signs and wonders, and we cannot. So that's the partial gospel, and a lot of people believe that. And we believe stuff right now that we won't in five years, meaning you individually. Like we're growing, so we're not attacking them. We never attack them. We're all on a journey. They've got stuff that we need to grow in. Amen? So that's a big deal. Honour, 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 honour. Never stumbling over what people are not, but recognising the gold. Okay, so the full gospel is we all can. Partial gospel is the disciples and apostles did miracles, signs and wonders, and we can't. Full gospel is we all can. Amen? You might not say amen, but that's okay. You might, not be, you might be on the journey of believing that. Okay, next scripture, uh, next line. The partial gospel is Jesus performed miracles only as God, so we cannot. That's a partial gospel. Millions of people believe that. 
The full gospel is Jesus performed miracles being fully God, but with the restrictions of a man, meaning we can do what he did and more. Philippians 2, if you're taking notes, talks about he laid down his divinity. Philippians 2, the Son of Man can do nothing. I think it's John 5, 19. The Son of Man can do nothing. In the Greek, that word means nothing. (laughs) All right, and let's go. Have we got that other partial gospel after Romans, uh, after Acts 3? Yep, you got it? Beautiful. All right, this is going to kick us into next week, okay? So there's there's a partial gospel and there's a full gospel. This is part of the full gospel. The partial gospel, the partial gospel believes we are sinners saved by grace. The full gospel believes we were sinners that were saved by grace. So the partial gospel believes we are sinners saved by grace. The full gospel believes we were sinners that were saved by grace. Again, more, more than millions of people believe the top one. Next, next slide. The partial gospel believes we are still sinners. The full gospel believes we are saints. If we read the epistles of Paul, to the, he didn't say to the sinners in Ephesus. Is sin a, 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 a big deal? Yeah, it is. He hates whatever gets in the way of love. But there's a higher truth here. It's recognising we were dead in our sin, but now we're alive to Christ. And, I, and I'm going to make this statement, and we're going to talk about it next week, that if we don't believe in the signs, wonders and miracles and the full gospel that's added to the message of the cross in a full, complete picture, meaning the full gospel, and if we don't actually believe this whole deal that we are saints, that we're no longer sinners, that we don't have a sinful nature, even though we've got memory and some residue that's being outworked by the renewing of the mind, if we don't get that full picture and that full picture, then this middle part of the inner world and wholeness can't happen because he's about this whole big fullness, wholeness, complete picture. Does that make sense? So he's not just looking about fullness and wholeness in our soul. It's dysfunctional if it's only there. But if we look at the outworking of the gospel, it's got to be fullness. If we're looking at the actual core of who we are, this is a bigger deal than we realise. It's a way bigger deal, this whole sinner-saint thing, this whole black dog, white dog, lightness and darkness on the inside of us. It's bigger than we think. But if we can actually believe the goodness of God, which doesn't excuse rubbish and poor choices, but I really believe that we're going to see this whole heaven to earth deal blow up in a great way. Is that cool? So we're going to stand to our feet and pray.